Well, here we are. Good morning. Good morning. Good Hope morning. everyone is here well and healthy. Uh, this is Lady Blurt Sings the Blues, a Sunday, a regular, schmegular Sunday podcast with usually three, but now down to two, <laughs> uh, fat femmes who talk about the nerd stuffs and the stuff that impacts their week that may take it to a larger discourse. I'm sometimes V over here on my left, maybe you're right, depending on your page orientation, is Miss Kylie too smart? Uh, Prowess is out today. Uh, she is doing the privacy things, making sure that uh, she's shining along with her little sunshine, Sean Shine. Um, Sean Shine. Sean Shine. That's so beautiful. <laughs> so, uh, but she'll be back the next time. She'll probably be back uh, the soonest during a Thursday session or uh, next Sunday. So, don't worry. She's not gone forever. She's just gone temporaries. So, uh, Kai, how's your week? Um, my week has been very, very full and very amazing. I am sucking at the work-life balance of incorporating sleep. <laughs> so there's just some like realizations of, hey, you're now like a full-on grown person and you have all the responsibilities and you need to sleep. Um, other than that, though, I'm I'm super grateful for the experiences I had. I went to go see a punk rock show um, this week. I got to see DRI, um, Curb Creepers, and um, Doctor No. And um, I, I was just talking to UV about how uh, these punk rockers, like now, they're starting to celebrate like 40 year anniversaries. Yeah. So I'm just like. These are people like my like my grandparents' age, my parents' age. Like they're in their late fifties, early sixties, and um, one of the things I really love is seeing the uh, generation. So it's like whole families. Like so, these are like family shows, and it's all protest music. You know, I'm listening to the lyrics, and I was just like, wow, the lyrics are just as relevant today as they were 40 years ago. Talking about. Um, pollution and talking about you know equity and anti-racism and anti-capitalism and anti-binary yeah. ideals yeah um, really like pushing the line for freedom and community mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. we're all about here and it just it warms my heart because I feel like punk rock kind of gets a bad rap mm -hmm. um, and especially like coming from a blurred perspective where we're like representation matters. Um, I got to see some super kick-ass uh, alt black people there just rocking their mohawks and rocking their swag and feeling comfortable to express themselves and be themselves. And it's just like, we had one guy show up and who was trying to just be weird and like push like this weird like Nazi thing. And he got kicked out. It was really great. Oh, totally. Uh, like, from the stage, they, they were just like, get that fucking Nazi piece of shit out of here. I was like, yeah, <laughs> it was so good. Um, the, it was a it was a pretty rowdy mosh pit, but there's still rules and like people kind of like know who to push, who not to push, like as the show gets on. So um, it was nice, it was really great. And they even had like a whole segment about consent at the beginning of the show, because again, this show we're now spanning like three generations. So you had, middle schoolers, you had high schoolers, you had the parents, you had the grandparents, or like little old punk rockers at the front, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Their rickety hips, like, yes. oh, it was so good. Um, so yeah, that was that was my week. I'm almost done with my floors. Ugh, processes, processes, processes. They're looking shiny. Um, it's another just way of you know marketing time and and progress and seeing that like everything is a process in life. The work that you put in will bear fruit. Like you just have to plan and execute. Hey, we rhymed. Look at us. We're doing the things. So yeah, yeah that was my week. How was your week? Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you about rock music and punk rock music and how we listen to it now versus then. Um, it, that's basically what happened at the corn show I went to a few weeks ago um, where I was there, I was rocking out, but, or no butts, but not butt in the connotation that butt means, but <laughs> booty. <laughs> um, yeah, they, the the opening act was uh, this w woman named Dana Dentana. It's basically if you have Slipknot and um, you know Insane Clown Posse made a daughter, and that's her. Uh, and she was talking about um, you know having sex with period on your period, or just like you know being like very vocal about like you know what what fertility is to women and uh, being act like very outwardly sexual um about her performance and i didn't see an issue with it but i saw a lot of like guys in the crowd just like do the hand thing like what is this and it's like this is her owning her sexuality that's what that is um and so yeah it was very like explicit but at the same time i didn't have any issue with it because it was her way of uh protesting oh my god can i stop real quick and just say, yeah i i see brandon harnish in the chat Ooh. hi brandon is a gem we love brandon <laughs> brandon we was do. A, we do we love brandon he's working with me at mag west uh but he's just an incredible brass player and um brass creative is what i'll call him i <laughs> just a wonderful human being we love beans. We um, love beans. Yeah, he hails from the Reno area, but he, every time I see him, he's always he's always on a flight. He's always flying somewhere. Or um, what was the last thing he? Oh, he he does Rubik's cube competitions. What? Yeah, yeah, he Brilliant. does Rubik's cube competitions. Yeah, he's he's insane. Like he got quick fingers. Like <laughs> I'm like homie. <laughs> Uh, if you get the wrong nerd girl, she's going to have some ideas, <laughs> skills, no, skills, but, skills. but no, seriously, he's, he's just great and hilarious. And I met him through, uh, you might know her actually. You met him through Katie grass. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, look yeah. At, look at us. Small yeah. Town, small, town. small ass town. Yeah. Uh, Katie, also, shout out to like, you. How did our whole town turn out people who were just like incredibly talented and incredibly busy? Because we left. Uh, sometimes we. Because we left. Always on the flights. Like always. Well, always now I'm flights. always on the on flights. The <laughs> <laughs> now I'm always on the flights. Before then I was broke being like, when's my next flight? <laughs> like 10 years from now? Is, is my body going to turn to cobwebs before I get to travel again? Like that's how I was doing. <laughs> But let's be real though. Can we talk about like how you left Monterey for a while 
and you learned and gained tons and tons of perspective. I left my hometown and it doesn't even have to be Monterey. It's just one of those things you just need to leave and block just get out. <laughs> just get the fuck out. Just get out of your hometown and grow. Um, but anywho, uh, yeah, like, so it's just kind of cool to see, like, you know, the folks who, like, really went out there and expanded and did the thing, like, they're incredibly talented and are owning up to their talent. And it's not to say any shame for anybody who stays in town. Sometimes you're just that comfortable, you want to stay in town. But I do heavily advise, get the hell out of your hometown. Just get out. Just leave for at least five years and then maybe come back. Maybe, because maybe your mind will change about how homesick you are. So or if you live in a place really beautiful and you're like, oh yes, it was actually lovely to look at. Just don't mind the lack of community and support. Yes. Build it yourself. Yes, <laughs> this is absolutely true. Uh, but yeah, thanks Brandon for being here. Ansel, <laughs> let's go. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, just kind of moving along. I'm just gonna give that a quick thing. Just dropping gems, dropping gems. Um, I, I guess what I was just trying to finalize with the whole punk rock thing. Yes, it is protest music. It's not just riot music where you can write any type of way. It's actually like protest music for society to grow, for society to blossom. And oh, how dare I say progress? Is there a sense of progression that I'm sensing? Yeah. That the baseline has many progressions. Yes, I think that might actually go into our next segment about aging out and progressing, I think is what we're gonna kind of talk about here. And while I'm trying to get that all together, I wanna make sure I get the right graphics for y'all aging out. So we've got Ash Ketchum. Apparently ketchup doesn't expire. Um, and Ash is gonna just turn into dust and live forever in space. So that's fine, Tate's time and space. Yeah, I just feel kind of weird how like Ash has stolen the narrative of Pokemon. Like he never gave any shine to anybody else. It's always been about him and Pikachu. Um, I need a redemption story from Team Rocket. Right, I was gonna say, it was always about Team Rocket for me, always. <laughs> yes, yes, it was always about but Team hey. Rocket. It was so like eighties, nineties, what was going on? It, and the eyeliner, we stand. They were definitely some punk rockers. Yes. For sure. Yes. And they were very like they owned their sexuality in a way where it's like they will dress up as any type of being. They don't care. They just wanna get that bag. They wanna get that rat. And they just wanna just thrive. Um so Anywho, so speaking about aging out, I, the reason why Ash is kind of the, the um, main person here, because again, he's he's kind of been with us the whole time, just going on his adventures, hasn't really like, the story with Pokemon, there are some like video games and stuff that you, you know, you get to transition the main character, but the main poster child is this little white boy who has to catch them all. Um, and so, when do we get to see a new story flourish? When do we get to see him kind of transition out and let new people come in? Um, and so that kind of goes into what current society is looking like. Um, so Kylie, do you want to chat about that? Uh, sure. So this kind of came about because like I said, like 
starting to feel the age. Um, not, I wouldn't say like the burden of social responsibility because I've always been, and I feel like you're kind of the same. It's like, we've always been uh, conscientious um, about how we get to mold society. And, you know, uh, when I was younger, like I worked at the polling stations and I, a lot of the, my friends, like the first time they voted, they were at my station and like, we all got to share that type of process together. Um, and then just looking at the past few elections, looking at the trend that we're seeing um, with the laws that are being passed, with who is, you know, kind of at the wheel for uh, the United States right now and who has been. And um, just looking at generationally what's kind of been going on. I know we always, I won't say always, but um, there is definitely a divide between, you know, boomers and Gen Z and millennials. And um, I'm just noticing a trend of like, I feel nowadays that the older generations, um, they are not, retiring they are not stepping down they are not passing along the mantle of responsibility um and we're really seeing a pushback in terms of allowing the next generation to move forward um even it i think the, the past few episodes we had talked about the debt relief um program and how so many people from prior generations were really giving pushback of oh, well, we didn't have this or we didn't have that. Um, but it's at the same time, like, all right, if we're going to look at it, I was like, you did have loans. Like you had massive PPP loans that you had forgiven. It just wasn't necessarily the same thing as student debt because also school did not cost you as much. The cost of living was much lower. Like there are all of these considerations and factors when it comes to um, making life livable uh and what i'm seeing just the trend of one particular generation only catering to the needs that they are currently going through uh -huh. um and i feel like as a society on a whole like we're lacking on that front you know it doesn't really necessarily make sense uh at least in my mind to have somebody who and i, I don't want to sound ageist right um because I am someone who respects my elders, but there is a level of, you know, respect is earned. Um, and so if you are not considering the well-being of an entire population, that means what it's like for children, what it's like for young adults, for adults, for our elderly, if you're not considering the entire spectrum and you're only making laws that help you progress as you age, I think there's a problem with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a sense so of entitlement. That I'm, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to step on you. Um, no, I was like, that, that is, please weigh in. It has just been me. That is my tyree. Come so, on, be with it. No, I've worked just to kind of think smaller scale about how I've seen different generations act in the workplace. Um, that is something that I think about when I'm relating that to how society is functioning now. And even like with the the differences that I have with like my parents, my grandparents, even my great grandparents, even though they passed away when I was young, like I just think about these things. But to kind of go back and touch on like the means of respect, like I am we me and you, Kylie, we're 
millennials, right, is what we're being called. And we've been oppressed the moment that we were born, basically, because we were considered part of the generation that made it to the 2000s. And we're going to thrive into the 2000s. And that's like a big number because there was lots of things that were like scare tactics to make it sound like we weren't able to thrive, like Y2K. Oh, what's up? It's Hey That One Guy. Yo. Hey That One Guy! Um, so there's, there was scare tactics, like the rapture, which it was like, oh, it's Mo. <laughs> it's your dude. What's up? <laughs> That's my dude. Why couldn't he go under MTG? Was that stolen? Because that's the same acronym for Magic the Gathering, you nerd. <laughs> Touchy. Touchy. And uh, is back in full effect, though, by the way. Swing, swing. No, I hear, I hear that. Um, so, yeah, going back to what I was saying. So, like, there's things like, like, we're individualists, right? We get to see um, <laughs> it was taken, and it is. <laughs> Sorry, like the conversation got derailed because I always have to take a moment to roast Mo. Because Mo. Take a moment for Mo Mo. Mo. Yeah, take a moment for Mo. Also, Mo, let us know what you're chewing on because whatever you're snacking, dude, I just want some of it too. Even though you might slap my hand for trying to take your snacks. <laughs> mm, it's not snacks. It's full on meals. He's like, oh yeah, it's just a, just a bit of rack of lamb for breakfast. You just know, a rack of lamb. Alfredo sauce. Mac and cheese, seafood grits, lot. He'll sit there with a whole like crab leg. <laughs> um, but yes, Back I to the generational trauma of the workplace. <laughs> Wait, you can hear me eating? <laughs> yes, we can hear you eating, even if we can't hear hear your voice. <laughs> we feel it. We sense the disturbance in the force. <laughs> Ooh, it's a euro and fries. We love a good Mediterranean meal. Um, wasn't far off with the lamb, see? No, was not. Uh, you know, you know your boy. Um, so, yes. So with generational stuff, we're, we're individualists, right? And we get to see, um, like how our previous generation, like we get to reflect on their trauma, see where they were stuck. Also, like this generation is a little bit more independent because of the laws in place, right? Like we're not burdened with, um with having to get married because we need some like women especially need women's stability or financial stability or um or like how it's hard to get jobs there's lots of inclusion and equity going on for millennials and we get to optimize on that where it was more introductory for our generations before that um so there's that but also when when people are like oh talk to your elders respect your elders it's like in what shape or form because for me personally for me like kylie you said you respect your elders for me i have it's not that i have trouble respecting my elders but like i say respect is a two-way street like you gotta show me respect first before you expect it from me you know or vice versa like if i'm at a grocery store and I say, excuse me, and your old ass keeps walking and doesn't acknowledge my gesture. I don't want to respect you any further than that because like you intentionally like thought like, oh, 
I get the, I get the privilege to be, to let this person be submissive. And I'm like, I do not play it like that. Like, I will say, excuse me. I will say, thank you. I will say, how are you? But I will not be like, how are you, sir? How are you, ma'am? That's too much for me, especially about how respectability politics was into play, especially for black people. And they had to do it for survival. It wasn't necessarily as a common courtesy. Yes, I, I will agree with you there. So like my respect when it comes to elderly people and mostly like people in general, because I won't even apply it. I feel like respect is across the board and it comes with the language that you're using, um, that opening energy that you come with. It is respectful. So it's like you get fuck around and find out. Right. So yeah. if you come at me sideways, even though I have presented this way, I have given an equal playing field and uh, you've made a move that was sus, uh, then, you know, all, all bets are off. And as someone who literally struggles with, like, um, just even my own parental dynamic, there's a, an acknowledgement of where they are at mentally and you like, kind of meeting people where they're at, or if they're just not worth your time. I do not give my respect to people who violate trust. Um, yeah. I do not give my respect to people who um, automatically assume that they are safe in their power because of their age. Um, so if I see you acting out of pocket um, towards younger people just because you can, and, I, and again, it is Or you think you can, you think you can. You think you can. It's, um, there are power dynamics at play, right? And I do recognize, you know, especially if we're looking at like the 60s onwards, because, you know, I'm my generation now, like my elders are what, like, so my mom's like early 60s, right? So it's like, we're looking at that age of people and um, if they have felt all of their lives that they did not have power and the way that they gain power is to be domineering and or cruel to those who are under them, younger than they are, mm -hmm. poorer than they are, whatever it is, whatever that power play and dynamic is that makes you feel a certain way. I feel like respect has to come with not necessarily needing to put others down in order to raise yourself up. I'm very much a community, let's build together. It doesn't make sense for an older generation to compete with a younger generation. Hell no, it does not. It does not. You're going to age out. And who's going to take care of you? Like, th this yeah, is like a lack of consideration <laughs> for community care. What's going to happen to you? What are the benefits? What do you think, like, you're going to reap what you sow. What are you sowing? Or just at least be vulnerable about your needs, right? Like there's a lot of older folks too who will not dictate their needs because they see it as a form of weakness. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I have encountered many times, again, thinking smaller scale in the workplace, um, that I'm doing a lot of a lot of accommodating, a lot of bridging the gaps because I have a skill set that is more normalized in our generation than it was in previous generations. So I do not mind helping people because I have those skill sets. However, it's the older folks who are often like choosing not to condition themselves with those new skills, which, okay, like they're probably thinking like, well, I have always worked this way, so why should anything change? I'm like, but that's how society works. Society changes, society changes. 
and society will change. It's just like, it's the same thing with like, you know, um, evolution. People evolve. And if you can't keep up, you're part of the party that can't survive. So you would think like, okay, then somebody who is like 90 something years old needs to get on top of like Facebook and you know how I face. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is just like be vulnerable about, I don't know how to use this platform. I'm not trying to not use it, but it hasn't been applicable for me. So I need help. And that's fair. But there's a lot of like in denial of it which causes more frustration and us as millennials we value vulnerability and when you sit there and say i don't know how to do something don't front that you're greater than what you actually are able to do just say i can't do it and think about ways that you can learn because that's how what it is like we get so much shit like as as our generation, and we're obviously speaking from a bias, right? About we don't know how to change our oil. We don't know how to do, um, how to check like thermometers. We don't know how to, you know, understand little nuances on the road. And it's like, the reasons why is because no one's taught us. Like, we're not gonna have this natural talent to do it. We have to be conditioned to do it. And if our world right now doesn't teach us how to be conditioned to it, then I think parents have an obligation to try to condition us it. And if we don't learn it, is it really on them or is it on us? Maybe both, but really, like, that's just not our world, just like how social media is not part of theirs. So where do we find the cross? Where do we find the respectability here? Where do we figure that part out? I think it's also um, something that you touched on earlier about like what we commodify um, and if you are staying in the workplace longer, right, the, the wealth of knowledge is what keeps you relevant, right, in this form of society. If we're looking at capitalism, if we're looking at individualistic ideals, what adds value to you as an individual is the knowledge that you have attained through life that other people don't have, that expertise, right? So I can totally see why and the then some people sorry one more one more sticky note for you here here's one more sticky note for you put it on there if i'm a person who says i don't know how to do something the amount of punishment i receive from those older older folk when i say i don't know how to do that when i'm being very blunt very direct saying like i do not know how to do that and then they'll keep fishing it out of me i'm like why are you fishing more out of me when i just said i do not know how to do that like stop i think you're lying they're like she totally knows she just doesn't want to do the work and you're like no that's i promise you that's not the case i really have no clue <laughs> i, I seriously have no clue do the thing. i'll learn um, it but like it's gonna take me like some weeks but how come you can't learn what you're requesting out of me now tell me how that makes sense a lot but in a way, I could see why someone is like, oh, well, I had to pay for this education and I don't want to give it to you for free, right? But this, that mentality is in a, I think it's a very Western Americanized one. I just had friends over um, who are activists from back in the day who left the country. They escaped and now they live in Mexico and they've lived in Mexico for many, many years. And they have a daughter who is like our age and um, she makes music. And she was talking a lot about what her experience was growing up in Mexico and then spending time in the United States. And she hates it here. She's like, the, the mentality is so wild. Um, the fact that we have 
food scarcity here. Like there's not food vendors everywhere. The fact that our public transportation is lacking. She was like, it is easier for me to literally just thrive and live in Mexico. She's like, I can go from, you know, one part of the country all the way to the other, no problems, public transportation, I'll have food, I'll have access to shelter, I'll have access to water. There's infrastructure in place. As much shit as we love to give all of these other nations and put ourselves as the um, epitome of, you know, first class living, which um, we are not. We are not the first in anything. I'm letting y'all know right now, our education is lacking. Our infrastructure is terrible. Our public transportation ain't it, y'all. Uh, our political education is lacking. Our system is built to keep people divided. And at the end of the day, that is going to run us straight into the ground. Yeah. I also feel that there is so much fear of changing because of how fast the changes have been happening. Mm. Like, I, I'm not sure what the pacing it was like in, like, the 50s, 60s, 70s. Like, I don't know what the pacing was like. But I know for me, for us to go through, like, the changes of the following, right? Where we're going from eight tracks, or no, even, like, eight tracks to vinyls to cassettes to CDs to... Uh, hit clips to iPod to iPads to like, you know, all this stuff or even like communication through email where we went through dial up, we went through cabled, we went through like now Wi-Fi, like those changes are so quick that like we are people like we millennials and even maybe like the generation um, after us are so quick to understand like, okay, these are how fast the changes are, right? And I'm not saying that's for everybody, but I know that for me personally, like if I see a change in technology, I hop right on top of it because I'm like, I'm not gonna miss out on this new th next thing. So I'm not sitting here not knowing how to use it because that actually impacts the work that I do. Um, but as for like those who are older than us, they're like, oh shit, we gotta slow this down somehow. And we're not gonna change our infrastructure even though it dismantles their infrastructure and they don't realize it. Um, and so- I, I think um, sometimes when we have this discussion, it does get a little lost. The fact that um, analog will still be relevant. In a way, uh, you know yes. I mean? In a way, yes, I hear that. Um, but there's like other like, there's people I feel that are more specialists in analog than it is mm -hmm. like, than it is like a common practice. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, think about the amount of places that are taking electronic payments over cash and how resistant folks are now wanting to use cash. Um, and now think about how money is getting streamed by consumers where instead of like taking money up front for that one service, we're thinking about how to like turn it into a subscription. And some older folks can't understand that. Like, why would I keep paying for something that I'm not using every single day? And they're, and those models are kind of utilizing like, well, I don't ever want to lose that. So I'm just going to pay money every single week or month or bi-monthly or whatever the case to keep that one thing going. And you think that's foolish, but at the same time, it's like we've seen other things die because they haven't had enough money to sustain themselves. Sorry, that kind of pivoted in a weird way, but like, sorry, go on. I didn't mean no, to. No, it's, no, it's interesting because it, 
to me, this also falls into a category of needs versus wants. We have been talking more on a technological edge for work, right? But now we're getting into like subscriptions. So we're thinking like across the fields of everything and genres. So it's like mostly like I feel entertainment comes more along with that. And if you are, and we're, we're literally talking from, you know, people who use technology we are streaming we are engaging in this platform but if i want to um i don't know maybe distance myself say i'm living on a farm and i'm still like growing food and i'm trying to live as sustainably and as oh yeah unplugged as possible right i feel like the the options are kind of being shut down for people who are not living in that kind of technological realm. And I think we oftentimes forget, <laughs> like when we do become more successful in these areas, the other areas of development that are left behind. So like the fact that we have Silicon Valley and our technology there is like top notch, but our public transportation, we still don't have complete public transportation that is effective all throughout California. Um, so it's like the areas that we give our focus to and the areas that we give our funding to. So it's like, so we have Tesla who's like high functioning, but we still have world hunger. So, and, and that is where I get the pushback for all of these people who are like, but wait, what about all these people who literally don't have access, who can't catch up, who don't have, you know, computer programs as part of um, their integrative educational systems. Um, I think there's like also a lot of assumptions when it comes to generations that the young kids do have access to all of these things. There's so many. Oh, they'll find a way. Sorry. I, yeah, I think I'm thinking about like when I was a kid. Give them away. Yeah, I mean, no, I was. Libraries are not functioning as well right. as they used to. Um, and it's just like, can, uh, is the expectation now that we will provide computers for everyone to be able to catch up? There's always that kind of like division in equity of access. Yeah, that, and unfortunately, that's where, well, not unfortunately, it's fortunate that they'll step in, but it's unfortunate that they have to step in or we have to wait until we step in. Oh, hey, Shubs. What's up? Shubs is here. Nerdies. Um, how would I put it? Like, there's nonprofit programs that have been trying to, you know, fill that gap because obviously with our governmental systems, which are put in place by older folks, who will not step down to try to help modernize. Um, <laughs> free writing. Um, because of those systems in place, there's nonprofits who understand the value of like trying to stay up to date for places that are marginalized, like Title I schools or areas that are redlined, to be like, we got governmental assistance because there was a very kind, like rich person who gave us all this money to help bridge this gap and as much as they try to be the superheroes that the government is not being like they're trying their best to keep up right um they're trying their best to get money to get like chromebooks and all these like little technical things to give to the younger kids so they can be caught up and they're not oppressed when they're older and learning all these things late so i feel like yes to what you're saying and yes there is like a diversion of like where funds are supposed to be going because 
by the older folks who are all in charge and think that no one needs that, then we actually do. Like how many times do you hear in government that somebody had their emails leaked because they couldn't use proper cybersecurity? And this person was not under the age of 40. Let's just put that there. <laughs> the emails, it's about the emails. I'm like, who is downloading your emails like that? Why is your computer open? Why is your password one, two, three? Come on. Like, if you wanna, if you wanna stay in power, <laughs> you gotta play the game or someone's gonna play you. When you fuck around, you will find out. Like, oh God. That that, that real cracks me up. <laughs> that real. I wonder if, if you fuck around, you find out. I wonder if that's a sound bit. Fuck around and find out. Is it a sound bit? No. Find out. Is it find out? No. Well, it sounds like we have to make it. Look. look I know. See. <laughs> I only. What do I see? I see play me and find out. That was the lamest. You found out. You played it and you found out. I played it and I found out. What we've seen here is an on-time, real-life social experiment of what happens when you have expectations. (laughs) You fucked around, you found out, and now you know what space that you can improve in. Go make that sound be, go copyright it, get your bag. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah, I, I'm really glad we kind of went into this. And yes, we're obviously like speaking in some sort of like bias because we're millennials. I also know like for you, Kylie, like technolo- technology is not your thing. And I say that because you've told me before where you're like, girl, I grew up on the islands. Like this was not our concern. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, like, do you see me? I'm so analog. I work with physical beings and bodies and spiritual beings and bodies. I wear knit clothing. I like fiber and fabrics. I rock the rocks, but I'm not opposed to technology. I enjoy these platforms. Um, but like, it does feel a bit like the matrix to me, like learning the ones and zeros. It really is um, a, a paradigm shift in mentality. Yes. Yeah, but you're still willing to learn. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Like, you're here. You're doing the stream. You know how to get onto Zoom. And here's the thing that I will say that was the most biggest silver lining of the whole pandemic. How many how many older folks were willing to just jump on the Zoom game when they were been so resistant? Because you know what was a factor of that? The biggest theme of why they all started to use Zoom? They didn't want to die. Oh, think about it. Yeah. They didn't want to die. They didn't like want to die. And then they wanted to be able to see the faces of their friends and family. I think realizing. So um, when things are dire, it's interesting yeah. how fast people will make that shift. Because when they thought it's something that was optional and like a waste of time and bullshit, they will do something because their life is at risk. Isn't that dark or what? I did say this was the dark, spooky episode. Like we, this is the one. Happy Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> You're all gonna die. You better get on those technological- Cause COVID was scary. We were like, what the hell is this? 
COVID still is scary. I mean, it, it is still scary. Like 60 people are, I think are like dying a day from it still, I think. Or that's what I heard a doctor tell me. That's what a doctor well, told me. People, people are still fucking around and finding out in labs. And this is also where like, I am a very, like I consider myself a scientist. Um, I love chemistry. I love molecular biology. Um, these things are my jam. Um, love physics, love string theory. I, I am just fascinated by the depths and the lengths that the human mind will go to, to rationalize and understand and manipulate the environment around them. However, we are so self-destructive because why would you sit in a lab and we know why and experiment to try and find out what the most virulent, uh, possible combination that we could make for COVID would be knowing that there is a risk that that could escape. We're like, Oh, we've taken all the precautions. Have we humans do not recognize their own fallacies. And I mm -hmm. think this is lit like, this is why we're going to have issues. And this is why we have a lot of the issues we have now. Um, so no, yeah, humans are scary. This is the, <laughs> here's the episode. Humans are scary. We be doing dumb shit. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate all the gems that people are putting into the chat. Before we transition into death uh, for our yes. next segment, I do want to talk about real quick, um, just, you know, I think when we were planning this episode, Prowers did want us to do a call to action for the women in Iran. Um, we want to just say, like, if there's ways to support the women who are currently protesting and protesting for their lives, uh, because the idea of choice for them is weaponized um try your best to to um support them so that support can look like protesting um share information about the protests read books stay up to date why they're even protesting like it's really terrifying to hear that a woman who was showing some of her hair was brutally beat to death and it's because the police thought that that was not proper for her to do that even though really wearing a hijab should be an act of choice liberation um whether if you wear it or not and so it's just sometimes that some parts of the world are not they've aged out on their thinking about what women are allowed to do and women should be allowed to do what liberates them to the most is there anything that you want to add on to that Kylie. Yes, I do want to say that also um, just marrying that to our topics of technological advancements when it comes to archaic and oppressive regimes, um, part of the way that they are silencing voices is cutting off access to platforms like Twitch, like like actually just Periscope, just Periscope, FaceTime, um, everything. Yeah, they're cutting so the, their off to shut their voices. To relay what their actual experiences are. And then what we get is a packaged news press, right? And as individuals, we oftentimes think, well, like, how does that actually um, affect? Well, we have the UN. We are responsible to one another um, as nations, as countries, as people in terms of checks and balances. There are global checks and balances um, that have real life applications mm -hmm. um, and not allowing lines of communication is one of the main tools mm -hmm. for oppressors. And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Um, so yes, uh, we are in support of technological advancements as 
analog and archaic as I myself may be, I will never um, discredit and discount the power that comes along with being able to tell your story um, directly. Yeah. To put the pen in the hands of people and not just go along with whatever governments and regimes decide to put in history books because we all know that they can be flawed. Yep. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Like as much as like some folks want to be in denial about it, like we are mo- the, probably the most informed. We're probably the most informed because of the access that we have now. Um, all right. So I did post the article on what to do, uh, how to support the women, um, even from your own couch. <laughs> yes. You don't have to leave your home. You do not have to leave. Well, you might have to leave your home. <laughs> your home. You might have to go to the knock, streets. Knock a few bucks. Mail those Molotov cocktail kits. Got you. Okay. All right. So we are here at our Nerdy and Dirty segment. Speaking of death. Uh, nerdy and Dirty. Hybristophilia. Yes. Oh, Kylie, so this is on you. Affiliate. This is just this is all you. I'm responsible for bringing you this tidbit of. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't realize. I keep forgetting that that sound bit goes that long. It goes that long. It's and fine. I can't turn it off. Like, I, I haven't yeah. figured. <laughs> we are in no way, shape, and or form endorsing this. Like, Nerdy and Dirty is not an endorsement of the things we talk about. It's just a speaking piece, please. Hybristophilia is the topic for today. And it is the sexual interest in and sexual attraction to those who commit crimes. Um, it's a paraphilia. Uh, it is a kink, a sexual arousal, facilitation, and attainment of orgasm contingent upon um, being with a partner that you know has committed a crime. Uh, because it's Halloween and tis the season, we are focusing on violent crimes, serial killers, because that is the trend. Also, I feel like nowadays with the true crime trend and the... Uh, uh, murder pornography that is just readily accessible <laughs> to all of us nowadays, um, that this is a topic to definitely dive into. It also deals with uh, dynamics of power, um, ageism, respectability politics. Um, so let's just, let's pick Dahmer. I feel like Dahmer is an easily accessible one. Netflix has done a Oh, it's really hard to be like, oh, they've done a really good series on Dahmer. Um, but it's shot well. It's believable. The acting is incredible, which makes it all the more scary. Um, but you still see people fangirling. Like, actively just being like, <laughs> Dahmer's still hot. And um, That makes me so mad. Who has lived through... Has anyone talked about, like, how people are like, you know, Dahmer's just so daddy. He's just too daddy. As um, a black woman, uh, 
Dahmer specifically chose gay black men because they were amongst the least protected, right? Like we're talking respectability politics, baby. Um, choosing your victims. How do you choose? You well, you choose those who are most vulnerable. Um, but the fact that people really still rocked with this man, that he still had a whole fan club, that women were writing him in prison and really like sending him like putting money on his books, like ready to support and love this person. And I see it time and time again. Uh, v, help me. Help, help. I, I don't, I think where I'm like still kind of just like, flabbergasted, <laughs> appalled. Give me any word uh, that means like confused. I am confusion. Um, yeah, like I was watching this series on Netflix called um, Dark Tourist. Um, it's There's this guy who's from New Zealand who uh, looks up all these places that do like very dark means of tourism and that means entertaining murders, um, entertaining, um, you know, very bigoted groups of people, um, areas that have had war and people are like romanticizing war. Um, and they, they captured the Dahmer thing, which is funny because I did just, I, mm, I, I watched the show just to be sure to understand what people were talking about, you know, just to see what was going on. And then ultimately after watching that, after watching the Dahmer show, I was just, I was kind of upset because it's like, they captured a lot of things that were kind of ironic to the publishing of that show in the first place, where it's like, the families did not want this to be published. And I'm like, here I am watching Evan Peters, like portray a national, you know, a nationally known serial killer. And they even, and they even captured some things about uh, John Wayne Gacy, who is also somebody who um, murdered men and kept bodies in his home. Um, and so going to the Dark Tourists, they, they went to the show, they went to, um, I think it was Missouri is where Dahmer's from. And I feel like every time I say that word Dahmer, I just have to like give myself a sensor beep because like, but um, yeah, so like there's women who will do all these rituals to try to bring Dahmer in his present, in their presence, like his spiritual presence. And it's like, they're grabbing, like they go to the bar that he used to frequent and they're, they have these like wired taps where it's like, Dahmer, if you're here, tell us. And like the, like she'll like kind of like a Ouija board type of deal. Like she'll like cross the wires to be like, we sense your presence. And I'm like, women, like these are women doing this. And I'm like, where's now? So as women, I was just like, oh man. So I, I, I would be really someone who would have like a bunch of eggs and tomatoes. And every time I would see that, to like see that happen, I would throw shit at them because I'm like, what are you like doing? It, it tests my feminism. It really does. <laughs> my feminism is going out there and throwing eggs and tomatoes at those bitches because I'm like, what is going on? Like, back in the house, the fuck? <laughs> don't worry, I won't call the cops, but I will throw shit at you because, like, you know, actions have consequences. They're probably not, <laughs> but anywho, but it was just weird. Like, 
how many people sent, send these folks letters? Like Ted Bundy, for example, was somebody where women just were like, oh my God, he's just so attractive. And I'm like, y'all, he, he's dangerous. He's not, he's not all there. Like he takes entertainment in murdering people, women. And so it's just, it's just absolutely scary to think that people have like this weird sexual attraction to it. Cause it's like, it's not hot. Maybe it has to do with like the adrenaline and thinking about the adrenaline of being around those folks, because it's kind of, I almost went someplace and then I stopped myself because it's not the same. A predator and prey. Well, no, I mean, so let's talk about some forensic psychology. Let's talk about what's happening um, when you get those wires crossed in your brain for sexual arousal and danger. We often, well, so we did an episode where we talked about. Um, there is an adrenaline fight. with like dating the wrong person. Yeah. There fight, is an adrenaline fight, for that. Fawn or fuck, did we not? Yeah, we did talk fight, about fight, that. Fawn mm -hmm. or fuck, we did. So, in, in literal terms of predator and prey, um, an element of danger, an element of survival. Um, there is an instinct of, well, if I'm on their side, then it won't be me, right? Which, mm, nay, no, no. Um, but I had read an article um, by a forensic psychologist, Catherine Ramsland, Catherine, blah, 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 Catherine Ramsland, um, who's a professor at the DeSales University. And she had written this article about women who date or marry um, male serial killers and the most common reasons that they gave. Uh, <laughs> the top one, the very top one, y'all, and we're, we're not surprised, low self-esteem and daddy issues. The father figure and lack thereof. Um, <laughs> daddy chill. It's a big one. Then there is the ego of feeling like you can change a man. Like they've never had the right amount of love Ooh. or received my love. See, Stop it. <laughs> anytime I hear someone talk about, I can change him. I'm like, girl, you are lost in that sauce. Cause at that point, you know how I am Kylie when someone talks about like their relationships and stuff. And I always have like my shitty like takes being like, please just leave him or leave them or leave, leave her them. like leave. i i'm whenever someone says like i can change them i'm like all right go find out <laughs> fuck around and find out all the puns intended sorry go ahead um oh uh, and this one kills me <laughs> seeing the inner child and wanting to nurture they're like i see the innocent little boy that they once were nobody gives a fuck yeah Dahmer wasn't killing people when he was three four five i've broken six, up with seven, someone who eight, refused nine. to use butter versus margarine shoves <laughs> girl she said i ain't changing shit she said please use the real fatty of fats do not <laughs> Margarine's, margarine leads to more divorces. Uh, it's the same um, thing like Miracle Whip and Mayo. Like, don't use Miracle Whip. I can't believe it's not butter. I can. It's not butter. <laughs> um, back to the topic at hand. We were talking yes. about media coverage and popularity and likes. Um, some people are just doing it for the clout. They are serial killer clout chasing. 
Kuyuk Media Spotlight. They want book deals. They want movie deals out of this. They're like, ooh, please um, market for my pain. Why not? What are you willing to give up? At least a kidney, I guess. Um, wow, right? Then there's the notion of having a perfect boyfriend because you know where they are at all times. You can get reports on them. Do we need to you know? remember like what you're supposed to do when you're finding a partner? Like, what is what is romance? Is romance dead? Womp 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 womp. And then there's just um, the fanaticism, right? Which as blurreds, as people who are fans, um, we talk about different fandoms and we talk about the extremes that fandoms can go through. So we can't be all like, hey, you guys are extremists, but at least, you know, our extremes like a healthy outlet. Nobody's getting moited over here moited. in real life. Moited, moited me. Um, but yeah, so it's, there's an insecurity. There's um, trauma. This is definitely not a healthy outlet. I don't think I could ever look at this feeling and be like, yeah, that's healthy. I mean, I... I don't know. I think everybody watched Inuyasha when they were a kid and thought, like, let me just change this bad boy from demon to boy. Like, and that's not how it works because a lot of the time it just ends in death. Fatality. Yeah, I I, I think, like, the the whole nuance with, like, just adding anxiety to, to your relationships in a way is, like, there's a sense of ego chasing, right? Like, it's just mm-hmm. it's just a little bit of, like, I fixed them. I deserve all this credit. But then, like, I don't know. I, I'm trying to figure out the words because I've seen it with, like, on a mini, minuscule effect where it's, like, it's not necessarily, like, the people that I see dating are serial killers. It's just more so, like, hey, this person already showed some bad traits. Like, what's your obsession of wanting to change that? Like, why do you feel like you're the one? And I think it's a lot of, like, Disney antics, right? Like, I'm the one for this person. Or, like, I am the chosen one, you know? Like, I will get married. And it's like, why would you want to get married to somebody who shows instability? Like... I mean, I also really enjoy the flip side of that conversation, which is the, I don't want to change them. I want to nurture this Ooh, we're talking about Chucky. Mm, we're Chucky. talking Chucky. Chucky's bride. <laughs> Chucky's bride. This is the <laughs> that shit was so wild. <laughs> this is Jennifer Tillman is too much. I see what you're doing in the world, and I would like to be a part of that. Yes, I recognize that shit is wild, wild west out here. So let's form a union and be bad together. Um, there's also that aspect. Is it like the Bonnie and Clyde type of deal? Were they both Definitely criminals? Definitely Bonnie okay. and Clyde type of deal. Um, and also, like, we have this idea of, um, like, alpha, you know, alpha and beta in our society and um, our relationships to power and our relationships to violence and power um, and protection, right? Like, we hear it in music all the time, Um you know, it's like, oh, like, yeah, she she feels safer over here. But, like, you're talking about how well you murdered 
the, the competition, um, literally. Uh, so, not murder you know, the there's a lot that goes into survivalism and infrastructure and, and legal laws and just, you know, how power is taken. Um, there's many forms of power, physical power, mental power, the, the lengths and depths that you will go to to achieve your goals. I, I think pe- I think who, folks want to be the exception so bad. I think that's also they part be of it the too. Exception. Yeah, but also like, I'm someone who believes like in the spirit of the law and not necessarily <laughs> the law because we are black people and we have seen that the law is not always for us. We have literally seen police murder black people. Like it's just the sport and the thing to do. So if you get somebody who's like. <laughs> We're murdering back. Okay, that feels righteous. That feels safe. But, you know, is it really? Like, on a social scale, maybe not. But on an individual and small scale, like, yeah. So there are positive traits to being attracted to somebody who is capable of violence. But the the mental stability has to also be a component and be there. How rational are you, right? So, like, stay dangerous, sure. Stay smart, sure be a whole functioning, encompassing person, have compassion, have empathy, know when to use these tools and when not to, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, that's right. Well, um, I think for the fact of your your fascinations or anybody's fascinations with dating criminals, just keep it, just keep it in your fanfics, keep it within the (laughs) Gotham universe. Let's not bring it into real life. Fap to it. Just don't do it to yourself. Do not. (laughs) Don't fap to it. You are literally programming your orgasm to cry. Don't do that. Just maybe go fuck your ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, knowing that it's wrong. Just keep it to that level. Keep yourself safe. Please be safe. Guilty pleasures. Please Please be safe. Please find safe guilty pleasures. Please find safe, guilty pleasures. Okay, well, I mean, I think that kind of calls for our nerdy and dirty today, unless there's any final words here from the group. I think we both nerded and dirted out. I don't know about you, I feel (laughs) like we've gone on a roller coaster through this conversation. Highly entertaining. Were you not entertained? See? And then emotions. People are so emotional. Yeah, make sure you treat yourselves right first. I think that's yes. the, I think that's the theme here. Treat yourself right first. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of things that have been murdered, <laughs> Cartoon Network, is it over? Oh shit. <laughs> no, it's just 30. <laughs> Apparently, when you turn 30, your life is over. We need to, to, like, knock that idea out of the park. (laughs) hate that. Anywho, um, there's been lots and lots of nuance about uh, Cartoon Network dying. Um, It no longer exists. Um, Its predecessor, Boomerang, has also died, so it no longer exists. Um, Toonami, are you okay out there? Adult Swim, are you guys good? You guys Uh, good? Not, you know, blink twice. Uh, but anywho, um, anywho, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
Yeah, so apparently there's been some partnerships going on, some consolidation with the network between uh, Cartoon Network and uh, Warner Brothers. So that's why folks thought that Cartoon Network was gone forever. So there was lots and lots of memes about it just being gone and like like the Grim Reapers coming through, which honestly, for the trolls out there, you guys should have been a little bit more creative. If you're gonna have a Grim Reaper meme, you should have used Billy and Mandy. Let's right? be real. How dare you? Like yeah. you didn't even use the Jamaican Grim Reaper to show a Grim Reaper for the meme. Please recalibrate yourselves and do that again. Um, okay. Yeah, but apparently, like, there's there was just a lot of, um, between both networks, uh, there was lots of reorganization going on, lots of layoffs with animators, which I would say RIP, because I know those folks are probably scrambling for another job, but at least here's the, the silver lining while they're going through it. I At least you guys got that career, and that's a huge resume booster. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, how Network many times, oh, sorry, go ahead. Iconic. No, I was just gonna say, like, Cartoon Network is so iconic. I really, it took my brain a second to calibrate, like, oh yeah, no, like they have been on 30 years. They've been on pretty much almost the entire time that I have been alive. Um, and so much of my fandoms is rooted in Cartoon Network. Mm -hmm. Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory, Courage and the Cowardly Dog, like Johnny Bravo, these are classics, all in the same home, in the same wheelhouse. So it's just like, ugh. Um, I think in terms of talking about like the layoffs, I think it was like around 80 people. So in terms of like a large company merger, yeah, I feel like that's still fairly good because I'm pretty sure like when Amazon did their merger, they laid off like thousands of people. So for 80 people, um, 80 people who I'm sure will have incredible support in terms of like the work that they have done there, what's on their resume, like I'm really hoping that they will continue to like work in their fields and do more projects. Um, yeah. But yeah. All right. Beatles 80. Yeah. I, I agree to that. I think right now Warner brothers, they, they've just been pretty like dominant, right? Like they, I think Warner brothers were the ones who did uh, Looney Tunes, I believe. Please correct me in the chat if I'm wrong. Fact checker. <laughs> yeah. I need some fact, fact, factual checkers. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um you, you know the actually is coming. Yeah. Well uh so anywho, I think just Warner Brothers has just been kind of absorbing like kind of different animation studios that have been kind of like on the dwindle down and they're like, Nope, we're gonna take you guys and figure it out so that way the cartoons can still cartoon. Um it was the same thing with Hanna Barbera. Uh, they took in that animation studio um, and then Cartoon Network, they took in that animation studio. So I think there's a, a, a potential to sustain um, the cartoons, but I don't think Cartoon Network's going anywhere. I think, honestly, if Cartoon Network goes anywhere, I'll be really sad because that had some iconic shows. Like, I think my personal favorite was uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog, for starters. Yeah. Like, that was... I mean... Speaking of spooky, spooky cartoons, like that was a spooky cartoon. That was a real spooky cartoon. And I feel like that network introduced us to so many ideas about death and the supernatural and like danger, but flirting with danger, how you use comedy to get through it. But also it was just like old people, old people and dogs. I was like, <laughs> 
we're talking about ageism a lot today. It's like the, yeah. the mental things that would happen with like forgetfulness. And it was like, it was just, it was a very human show riddled with all of the emotions. There was so much like anxiety expressed in there, depression expressed in there, sadness, fear. Um, I think like a lot of the shows that we show children really highlight and kind of like sugarcoat like all the good feelings um, and tend to kind of neglect some of the darker feelings, um, the darker spectrum that people go through. Uh, and this was like just such a transformative show of like how to move through those spaces, why you need the friendships that you need. Like those characters really came through for one another. <laughs> Here's your support system. Way to use it. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was like lots of different themes where like some of it was like very wholesome, like the jellyfish or the jelly, no, the space squid episode. Space squid episode, yeah, where it's like Courage was taking care of like the baby squids, and then like the mama squid came through, and then they were able to like you know squid their way back into the universe. And then there was like some really terrifying ones where Courage goes down into the basement, and then you just see this man who looked like Hellraiser without the nails in his face, <laughs> and you're like, What the fuck is that? And you're tripping at 10 p.m. at night as a kid, being like, Why does it look like real life against animation, which still fit? felt very crunchy like it was so very 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 crunchy where you're like is this a fever dream like is this a, an adult swim commercial um Ooh. speaking of like fever dreams but also the parallels and lessons in life can we can we talk about scooby-doo tell me about scooby-doo can we talk about the reveal for the supernatural fear really is everyday humans and dealing with their drives for success, fame, and or money. And these are the real evils that we have to deal with. It's like, oh, we're like people humans. are wearing masks and then it's like, yeah, I'm just a politician or yeah, I'm just this community leader. Screw these kids. And it's always screw these kids, right? Screw and, these kids. and you guess what type, what generation were those kids at the time? Millennials. We're full circle, baby. Hello, welcome to Lady Blurred Sings the Blues. We have ah. brought you meh, a full on nuanced episode. Hey. Um, hey, listen, look, they were telling us from early on, they were like, Psst, the conglomerates are here for you. Psst, it's not the spooky ghost, it's the head of the corporation it's yeah i don't remember wow. yeah i i just love how like the villains were people that you've met before too where it's like the show has a premise at the beginning right they show you everybody like there's this person being a you know, creepy crawly being fucking weird like just scaring everybody right and then when you get to the end it's the person that you least expect but it was the person that was ringing the alarm to create a diversion like being like, it ain't me, but it was really me. Or like, it was the nice person. It was the well-dressed person. It was the clean person. It was like the person that did not arouse your fear and suspicion. Um, or it was the, <laughs> or it was the old man who was afraid to die and didn't have money. <laughs> It was the janitor. No. No, we don't. We He's don't. Sick of cleaning up your shit. 
Okay, honestly though, like custodians and janitors, if they're trying to scare kids out of their fucking job, like yeah, that's that's the valid. That's valid because I I remember this janitor in oh sorry, weird tangent, but there is a janitor that I really much adored in my high school and a janitor that I really much adored in elementary school. And they were just hilarious and very personable and really loved us as kids. Um, but yeah, like if, if there's a janitor who's just fed up because like they're just cleaning up your mess all the time and like kids aren't being mindful, which I think schools need to adjust to the Japanese system where like kids have to clean up in their classrooms every day or there needs to be a team of kids that clean up every day, not just relying on like some community servant to do it which makes me upset. But anywho, um, yeah, if it was a janitor, that's a Scooby-Doo villain. I don't hate it. But if it's a corporation man just being like, hey, I'm trying to embezzle all this stuff. Yeah, uh, get rid of him. I like how we're assuming it's a him. Well, I mean, it's rare to have lady killers, but we're maybe... <laughs> not lady killers. Like, we're just better at it. We're just not getting caught as much. Um... <laughs> I think I think for the most part women will just leave. It's true. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it, it is rare that you have lady serial killers. Not that we couldn't do it, huzzah feminism. Um, but <laughs> I told you this is a weird episode, okay? Why not? We're getting funky on here today. Um but it's yeah, October. No, it is October. I think um also there there's a risk. Uh, I think being capable of bringing life and uh, having that responsibility, that kind of nurturing as part of the upbringing. So many women have that as just the assumption. Um, you're put in roles of caregiving and you're put in roles of um, considering others before self. Uh, that is the messaging for most women, at least in my experience in talking to people in general and just seeing like within my own family, those dynamics between my niece and my nephew, the behavior is very different. And I think just biochemistry, our brains, there is something there. Um, so I do believe that women feel like they have more to live for. I feel like, um, Damn, I didn't realize Cartoon Network was going to go to this turn. Sorry, go on. I'm messing with no, you. No, like, I feel like for a lot of, and at least for a lot of men that I've spoken to, it's like, if they don't have families, if they don't have something beyond themselves that they are working towards, the behavior and the tendency to be self-destructive is so high because they feel like they don't have worth if they're not contributing to something like a family. If they are not contributing and building something, then they feel like, well, all right, then my life, it doesn't matter if I live or die. Um, so let me just do me. Uh, and if I die, I die. Can we, okay, on the real though, can we yeah. bring that up a different time? Because yeah, that's a whole, that sounds like a that's whole a whole, yeah, that's a whole can of worms. And I say it like that because I talk about, I've talked to um, some of my man friends about yeah, we like, have men friends. Yeah, men's me, friends that are men, men friends. Uh, it's kind of weird to say that man friend, boyfriends. Uh, no, I, ta I talked about how like society has shifted where it's like they're not as, what's the word? And I'm not going to say needed. I'm not going to say that. But what I'm going to say is like, there was less 
there's now less interaction on what is needed on a romantic scope because of the independence that women have now um, on a binary way. And then same thing with like, you know, sexuality. Sexuality is a little bit more liberated and it becomes more and more liberated as we go down into the future timeline. And it's the same thing where it's like before, uh, remember how we talked about earlier how women don't have, didn't have like a chance to get a credit card or a mortgage and all that stuff. Like men were needed at the time because of survival. And now it's shifted to from survival to like, it's complimentary. But yes, um, I would love to, I would love to like talk more in that nuance. Now that we kind of gave a little bit of foreshadow to those who are listening to kind of maybe unpack that a little bit and maybe we can ask a friend of ours to actually talk about that with us so we're not just talking from our bias. <laughs> and that's what's nice a bunch of ladies being like, men feel this and men feel that. Yeah, because like, we don't men. know what they're feeling. Like we don't know you what- don't have testes? Yeah. What are you talking about? There's no, like, there's no test. Yes, yeah. all the red pills are like, look at them ladies talking about their feelings. They were a lot of ideal statements instead of this is statements. Yes. Yeah, but back to Scooby-Doo. Back to Scooby-Dooby-Doo. We um, stan Velma so much, so hard, the representation. Not to like shit on Daphne or anything, um, but as far as like nerd girl representation goes in the spooktastic realm of things, um, that show really brought us <laughs> Sorry, much. go on. <laughs> and it was like, I love how like you had the classic, like they, they brought us the classic characters. They brought us the stoner. They brought us the nerd. They brought us the yuppie couple. They brought us the, you know, the beauty queen. They brought us the nerd girl who's also a beauty queen, uh, you know, and the fashion baby. They brought us the hippie bus. They brought us community and problem solving. Mm-mm-mm. And also brought us because technically they are they are criminals, but they're criminals for good because they broke a lot of laws in their investigations. But I think I feel like that's what protesting does in a sense, right? Like there's a little bit of law violation to solve a bigger issue, which is something that I think Scooby-Doo really taught us. It's, it's like, yeah, there's laws and guidance in place, but is it really something that benefits everybody or does it benefit the person who's getting away with it? And so are we attracted to criminals for good? Only on a riot, protest, POD state. Uh, I don't think I'm going to turn around and say that I have some feelings about the Zodiac Killer. Ugh, now you better be killing for good. Um, oh, right. Ah! Uh, so that kind of uh we're getting kind of to the closing notes of today's episode but i do appreciate everyone here in the chat thank you so much for participating i see lots of familiar faces in our familiar spaces uh so thank you so much for being here today um we do have a big move monday um uh, we meant to sh uh post this person last week but uh, you know how how things have been thinging. I didn't get to that point of time, so I'm gonna go ahead and wait. Where would he go? Ah, <laughs> right here. Uh, we're gonna shout out Grayson. <laughs> Grayson is our big move Monday. Um, he recently had a, an album come out uh, called Identity Crisis Part Four: Hero Saga. Um, 
I really love how he kind of deconstructed his Adventure Times, or not Adventure Times, his his progress through just like, you know, going through um, his musical journey. Because he started off as Mav, and he then he transitioned to Nightwing, and now he's Grayson. So he stays, honestly, he does stay within the Gotham universe. Um, but like, it's just interesting how he kind of broke down each segment, talked about like the producers that he chose to do his project and why it surfaced some meaning to him. And then how like he is like really like manifesting his own, his own, uh, I would say power. I would say manifesting his own power for good. So it's been really, really cool um, to see him go through that journey. So Mommy, I really like Mommy, that's how I feel. I really like I really like that is how I feel. <laughs> um, I also love that like as someone who was like raising the next generation, he is very transparent about like what is important to him in terms of streaming with his kids and his, you know, his niblets. He's got his nephews and things and um just seeing him navigate that space is so nice yeah yeah he's doing super super well and he has a really good community surrounding him so which has been really cool so yeah it's all on by it's all on um bandcamp as you see there's a little bit of a sneak preview on the right side uh so hero saga um I, I think I bought it for like 20 bucko, uh, but you guys can put down any amount that you want uh, to kind of support him and his being. So yes, that is our boy Grayson. But other than that, uh, Kylie, do you have anything before we kind of take off? No, I think this has been a full, full, full episode. Um, laughs, tears, joy. I think we've ran the gambit, fear, <laughs> anxiety. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> how's not a problem going? Uh, not a problem is going great. Oh, that is right. Huh, look how quickly we forget. Uh, we will be doing a pop-up. So if you'd like to follow me at not a problem 831 on Instagram, you can see all of the exciting things that I post. Um, yeah, I do chair massage as well with not a problem. So sometimes you just be popping up and it's like, hey, come through. So we're going to be having a parking lot pop up. This is going to be in San City, California. Uh, so if you're local and you want to come see your girl and catch these hands, uh, come on through. I'll be posting more information on that. It's going to be happening in December. So there's plenty of time to plan. Perfect. Yes, catch these hands. Um, Progress wanted to just share that she's doing the things that makes little Sean shine. So she is out and about doing the thing. Uh, she will be back next time, uh, but we do miss her. She's always such a valued uh, asset in um, in this podcast. So we do miss her very, very dearly, uh, but she will be back. So no worries. Um, I guess I can make a small announcement. Can make make small... the announcements. Okay. So... Uh, as folks know, or may or not know, uh, I do volunteer regularly with the MAGFest uh, video game convention festival event place. Yes, I should be a little bit more eloquent here. But yes, um, we all know about MAGFest Super, which happens in January. And I usually primarily kind of coordinate West, which is the California component, which is called MAGWest. Um, after having some involvement with them, I am officially their board member. Um, I was, um, 
voted in during MagCon, which is an event for all the volunteers and staff for the event to make sure they get their wits together. So after kind of, you know, navigating the convention and seeing how I liked it and seeing like what things are needed to be got done, I uh, put my name in the in the goblet uh, to see um, if I was qualified and here I am as a board member. So I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm getting all the hookups. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is like I will be helping a lot with, you know, coordinating their um, executive director um and then helping with any restorative processes and also um you know just kind of getting like strategic plans so if anybody knows anything about what it means to be a board member my duties are mostly aligned with that so um it's not me being bossy or in control or anything like the evil like board member that you guys probably think and hear about it's nothing like that so if anybody has any questions about what board governance means please hit me up i'm more than happy to kind of tell you what my role is there um, but yeah, it's exciting. I'm really excited. This is the second board I've been on. Um, and it's always been um, time well spent. And also, um, I always get to meet a lot of amazing people. So I'm really, really excited about it. Right. I'm super proud. This is a good example of implementing change that you want to see in positive and progressive ways. A way to lead by example. Yes. Yes. That's what it, that's what the idea is. It's like it's progression of good changes and progress and evolving where evolution is needed. So, um, like I said, it's not controlling the whole thing. I'm not telling people what to do, but it's just kind of adding little seeds here and there to see what could happen. So it's 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 pretty tight. Um, but other than that, thank you so much for listening to Lady Blurred Sings the Blues today. You can find us on their RSSS feed on the podcast, whether if you're listening through Apple Pods or Spotify. You can also uh, find this episode on SoundCloud uh, starting on Mondays. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. We do have a Thursday Twitter space, which we do uh, often promote before we do it. Uh, so I know we've been a little inconsistent for the last few weeks, but that's okay. It's getting close to the holiday season, so just give us a little bit of grace. We are human beings as well. Um, so sometimes we, we're jumping around from place to place. We're just little jumping beans. Um, other than that, uh, you know, just follow along, keep up to date with us, and we'll see you next time.